0: If you enjoy this show, you will enjoy the new novel Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone, complete reimagining of this story. It's out now. Find it wherever you encounter books or at aliceisn'tdead.com.
1: There are no happy endings because there are no endings. There is always a next moment even if we aren't involved in it.
2: So many of them, dead. And we had brought them here to fight and to die. Was it our fault? Was it worth it? It was, right? To end this, right? There is no end to the story,
1: but there is an end to our telling of it.
2: And I think that end has come. It was over and we buried our dead and walked away from that place. Sylvia was gone or she was everywhere and would be forever but wasn't Sylvia anymore. I didn't know how to feel about that because I didn't know what it was really. Sylvia chose that. She wanted me to know that she
1: chose it and so I chose to be happy for her.
2: Through the night we drove. We didn't talk. Morning came and with it Familiar streets. She pulled the truck to a stop. We opened the front door, and together, and together,
1: at last, we came home.
0: of Fink. Performed by Jessica Nicole and Erica Livingston. Produced by Disparition. Part 3, Chapter 10. and Ending. It
1: had been so long since either of us had been there.
2: I didn't recognize this smell. When I lived here, my brain filtered out the house's smell. Now it came on overwhelmingly. Not bad, but unfamiliar. This place belonged to other people. People who we were once, but we no longer are.
1: The night we came home, we made pizza. It all came back as though it had only been a few days. Flour on our hands. Sauce on our hands. Our hands on our hands. Something forgettable on the television. Leg upon leg, This is a life, Alice. This is what it's made of. Hand upon hand, upon leg, upon heart, upon couch, upon a day where we made bread together.
2: Keisha sure loves baking. She finds meditation in it. Me, I find meditation in her pleasure in it. I love that she loves it. We put on the TV, there was the news. A fire outside of Tacoma. A landslide in Thousand Oaks. A hostage situation in St. Joseph. I changed the channel. We didn't need to concern ourselves with all of that. Not for a while.
1: Routine happens sooner than we thought possible. It's only a couple weeks before we again think of it as our bed, before I make the coffee, And she makes the smoothies and that's our morning done. We don't even think about what next. We've earned the right to merely exist for a little bit. To exist for each other and for ourselves. To touch and in touching to love. The only blip is one Saturday when she offers to make us omelets and my stomach lurches. I tell her I'd prefer we never ate those again and to please never ask me why. I spend that whole weekend thinking about Earl and how he died. A life, just a life, lived. We'd forgotten it was possible.
2: And then a month has gone by, and then a year. We don't hear anything about thistle. We don't hear anything about praxis. I have a new job, but she has a new job. We've reconnected with friends. We're doing it. Whatever this is, we're doing it. Love is the look she gives me when we both come home from work and we're tired, but one of us has to figure out what dinner will be. And so we both go into the kitchen, put our hands on our hips, furrow our brows at what's in the fridge. Love is each of us showering before bed, one after the other. We can't shower at the same time because we like very different temperatures of water, and that's love too. I brush my teeth and she pees. The fog on the mirror gives way to a portrait of the two of us preparing to sleep. It's a portrait of love, and we look at it every night.
1: Love is the way her neck smells. That's where it's strongest, the side of her neck. And I lean into it and I breathe in and I remember what it means to live with another person. Love is the hours we spend under a blanket on a couch and love is also the hours we spend apart, earning a living so that we can return to the couch and once more lie down together. Love is the beat of the heart and the passage of air and it's the circulation of fluids and it's the equilibrium of all the functions that sustain us.
2: Love is the absence of all she could say to me. It's knowing that there is pain and choosing to never activate it. Not as a single choice made once and left secure forever, but a daily choice. Each morning we wake and she holds my betrayal in her hands and sets it gently down and we go on with the day. Love is not freedom, but freedom isn't inherently good. There can be terrible freedom and wonderful captivity. Love is wonderful captivity. It is a constraint from which you never wish to escape.
1: Love in the morning as a cup of coffee made just the way she likes it. And love at noon, as the way the sun through her hair makes an imprint in my breathing. And love in the afternoon, when I nap alone, but nap knowing that she is pacing around the house somewhere, that her emotion is near my stillness. And love in the evening, as a laying of hands and a stretching of limbs and love in the quietest hour of night, when in a moment of wakefulness between hours of dreaming I hear the soft hiss of her sleeping and feel what birds must feel when nesting. We are nothing if not absurd. We are nothing.
2: Love as an activity and as an emotion and as a bodily function and as a series of decisions and as a meal prepared and eaten together at a home we share.
1: Love as a person who returned to me and then never left again.
2: I never left again.
1: It's two years later, and we're watching TV together, and I think, it's like it never happened. And that's not true. It'll never be like it never happened. And we will never be quite who we were before it happened. But it's similar. It's so similar, you could be fooled into forgetting all the pain and loss. For a moment, I let myself be fooled. I leave behind the memories. And I feel the physical contact of her next to me. And I let that contact fill in for all the ways our lives could have gone. Because they didn't go those ways, did they? Hmm. They went the way they went. And if I tried to go back and change anything, I'd probably just fuck it up somehow, so I wouldn't have this moment. This quiet, in-between moment. This moment in which absolutely nothing interesting is happening. Except that I get to be in love with my wife, and she is here to be loved. It's this rush of emotions all at once, and I'm crying, and she's asleep. She's fast asleep because we get to now. We get to fall asleep on the couch watching TV. (sighs) Man, it was this whole mess of emotions. And I didn't even know yet that what we had been hoping for finally worked and that I was pregnant.
2: Seven years later and the kid's making a meal of going to school, dragging her feet and Keisha's the one dealing with it because it's her turn. We don't have to take turns, Lord knows I owe her a thousand lifetimes of apologies, but she has taken the business of forgiveness seriously and she won't let me act guilty or overly nice or do more chores than my share. I forgave you and that's it and I don't wanna hear another word, she said once and then never again because we never talked about it again. That's astonishing, right? All it happened to us and we never talked about it again. But it was the only way to move forward. We had to face away from what was behind us. We named her Sylvia, our daughter. We didn't tell her everything that happened to her namesake. Not when she was six, of course, and not later either. How would we have begun to explain? What words could we even use? I don't think those words exist but we made sure that she knew that she was named after a brave woman who had devoted her life to making the world better and had done it. She had damn well done it. This world is better because of her. What do the details matter? Sylvia, our Sylvia, she asks if she can have two cookies in her lunch and Keisha tells her, no, she definitely can't. And then we finally get her out the door to school.
1: 12 years later and shit if we aren't empty nesters. Us. (laughs) We have fought actual monsters and now we are puttering around in our house thinking how quiet it is without that kid shouting at us or laughing along with us depending on the mood of the day. I think we did a good job raising her. We did the best job that we were capable of. Two damaged women who hardly knew how to put themselves together, let alone how to construct someone else's life. Now she's off in the world, and that's the start of it. It'll be up to her to figure all that out. I look out the window and see a person in a hoodie across the street. I can't see their face. I don't know who it is. Probably some neighborhood teenager just bored and skulking around, but I raise my hand anyway. I smile. When I look again, the person is gone.
2: After college, our Sylvia moves to Portland, then Chicago. Works as a graphic designer, gets engaged, ends the engagement, gets engaged again, and that one pans out. I get really into reading history. Keisha, ludicrously, takes up golf. (laughs) Keisha, of all people. She says she likes walking in a nicely landscaped, grassy area, and the game is just an excuse for that. I go with her once, and then we both go regularly. Why not? Walking is nice. I have nightmares almost every night about what we've seen. But I wake up each morning, every morning, next to my wife. And the moment I see her, I forget the nightmares and step with her into the day.
1: Years later still, we are old. And I guess I never thought that would happen to us. It didn't happen in the mirror. In the mirror, it was always me and her. And we looked the same day after day. But it happened in retrospect, going through old photographs and realizing, oh, I don't look like that anymore. That's what I think I look like, but it's not, is it? I look like an old person now. Sylvia calls regularly, visits sometimes. I wish she would visit more, but it's hard Her living across the country, and... Anyway, what had we done all this for, but so that she could go off and live her own life, free of danger? This is where our road trip ends, I guess. The two of us in our living room, on a day. Any day. Nothing big happens on this day. There are no more revelations, no more astonishments... Except those quiet revelations and astonishments of the heart. The daily magic trick of two people in love. They happen when one of us looks up, sees the other, and thinks, Oh my God, I love her. And every time it's like a secret that we're told anew. We lived more after that day, of course. Years. And then we died. I don't know what to tell you. It was gonna happen eventually. But I never forgot. Not one day, not one hour, not one minute. I never forgot how lucky I was. I wouldn't have lived any other life.
3: i never thought much before about the moon. But I found myself looking at it. And it was beautiful. What a strange assortment of factors led to this perfect gray and white circle of radiance. I could look at it for hours. Maybe I will. I've got time. I'm sorry. You thought I was dead. I was, probably. I don't really know how all this works. I woke up in a bush by a highway. I always wake up on the roads. They're where I belong. They're the lifeblood of what I do. If I had a name, my name would be Thistle. But I have no name. Later I would need to collect a car from some person who thought they were gonna see tomorrow. But there was time for that too, so. I walked along the highway, enjoyed how cold the night was, and for the first time, I took a long look at the moon. Beautiful. Eventually, I got myself a car and then a place to live. Everything's there for the taking if you get the folks who used to own them out of the way. After I had my situation settled, I rested. I don't know how long it takes me to rest, but I'd guess years. Certainly the world always changes by the time I'm feeling strong enough again. It's a gut feeling. I don't look at a calendar, just whenever I feel that strength start to pulse back through me, I know I'll be heading out again, doing it all over. I start hanging out at truck stops and roadside bars. I meet a man whose views are a lot like mine, and I whisper a few suggestions in his ear. And that starts it. Soon enough, he'll come to me, his face made strange by the monstrous parts of him. But ultimately, it'll be his choice. All this always is. Damn, that moon, though. I love that it's barren and that it's lifeless, and that it doesn't even have its own light. It's a rock. That's all it is, a big rock with a location that came entirely by chance, but now it's up there, man, and it burns. It defies simple ideas about what is alive and what is dead. There are highs, and there are lows. Right now, I'm on my way to a high. I don't mind the lows, but there is certainly something magical about those highs. I feel it as an itch in my palms. I feel it as a pressure behind my eyes. It's coming, that peak, and it'll be worth that fall that comes after. I don't hold anything against the cycle. The cycle is no more alive than the moon is, no more alive, I suppose, than I am by certain definitions of the word alive. People can be so binary about those things. Sometimes I see those oracles in their ridiculous hoodies, watching me. Praxis. We met before and we'll meet again And we'll meet again after that. I'm a wave that sweeps in and pulls back, but is never gone. I'm a movement of water. I especially see that one oracle. That one has me a little worried. That one is so powerful. None of them have names, just as we don't have names. But boy. I know her name. I'll meet her again. And again. But that moon! Ha! Ah, what an object. Maybe I'll go there someday. (laughs) Maybe I'll sit up there for 300 years and stare back at this earth. Really let myself get hungry. And then I'll come back. Because the dead return... Because the dead return. Keisha and Alice. They never saw me again. The cycle I live by is much longer than any one person's life could ever encompass. So they died with their happy ending. For them, it was permanent. As permanent as the Earth. As permanent as the moon. Oh, Alice. I want to start by saying...
0: Once again, stay subscribed to this feed We're going to have some fun stuff here leading up to the book's release and beyond. And this will be one of the first places I'll announce any new work I'm writing. And given how many things I have going on at any given time, you won't have long to wait. Check out aliceisntdead.com for more information on this show and our merch. Like the Alice Isn't Dead map of America. Tracing Keisha's three-season journey around our country with hand-drawn art of her many Adventures, Available in three different sizes, or get the memorable Alice Isn't Dead logo as a shirt or an enamel pin. All of that at aliceisntdead.com. This show would not be possible without our Patreon supporters. I have so many left, and this is the last episode, so I'm just going to list a bunch of them. Here we go. Stephen Smith, uh, Anne Dean, Mark Stanbrook, Kate Tierney, Liz Chrissy, Kellen Mora Connor, Daniel Levin, Brad Jigair, Emily Shanowski Ava Sun, Courtney Taborn, Sarah Furlong, and Jacob Barr. Thank you to all of you and to everyone I didn't name. I'm sorry there was only so many episodes. Hey, Alice Heads, which is a name I just came up with for listeners of Alice Isn't Dead and that I don't think I'll ever use again. Anyway, I'm releasing two books this year, which is a weird thing to say, but I've been working on both of these for years and I'm so excited for you to read them. Okay, first on May 11th, 2021, the first 10 years, two sides of the same love story. So there is a love story that happened behind the scenes of Welcome to Night Vale between me, Joseph Fink, and Meg Bashmaner, voice of the Night Vale credits and MC and tour manager for the live Night Vale show. In this memoir, we recount the first 10 years of our relationship, year by year, without consulting each other beforehand. It's a funny and romantic story about how differently we experience and remember our lives. Then, on July 20th, the Halloween moon My first ever novel for ages 10 and up. Esther Gold loves Halloween. Until the year that Halloween night just won't end. Even she doesn't want Halloween to last forever. No matter your age, if you're a fan of Alice Isn't Dead, I think you're going to love this book. Get these books wherever you get your books. Today's quote. Every limit is a beginning as well as an ending. From Middlemarch by George Eliot. Thanks so much for listening. See you all again soon.
1: This has been a production
2: of Night Vale Presents. Find out more about us and our shows at nightvalepresents.com.